Good evening, everyone, and welcome to uh, the second episode of season seven of Airtime, uh, presented by AIR, the Arts Incubator of Richardson, in partnership with the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in Richardson, Texas. Airtime is a signature artist interview series featuring artists and creative thinkers in Richardson and the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where artists share about their art and why their creativity makes a difference. Airtime is funded in part through the generosity of Eric Weiss with Wealth Star Advisors, who is here with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. And through a grant from the City of Richardson Cultural Arts Commission. It's October 19th, and today's creative guests are Jason Underwood and Blake Milton of Archie's Guitars from Hyperlocal right across the parking lot right here in Richardson. So let's please welcome our guests, Jason and Blake. So um, let's start out with some some basic information. I mean, your, your stories, I emailed back and forth with both of them, and your, your stories are very different. You are you are sort of symbiotic in this store, but one of you was hyper-local and had 20 years in the corporate world, and the others uh, has you jaunting off to Hollywood and being a professional musician since age 15. So um, tell me about your musical upbringings, how you got here to Texas, and uh, how you got your start in music and playing guitar. Well... I'll even start on that one just real quick, just as far as the hyper-local goes. He actually grew up in the neighborhood right around the corner. But when I was a kid, grew up in the neighborhood over at Forest in Greenville. And Sun Rexall Drugs was the only 24-hour drugstore. You know, so if you had a kid get sick at night, you know, you had to come up here. So I've got a lot of history in this, in this uh, shopping center as well. Right, I did too. Uh, I, I went to, uh, was back to school shopping at JCPenney, which was actually... Right over there, still empty over there, by the way. Somebody needs to get in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, musically, I actually took lessons when I, in, this is early 80s, right there at Engine Lockwood. There was a small music store right there. It's now, um, you know, some kind of a, a place where you buy luggage or something. But, but, but back then, yeah, it was a, there was actually a small music shop back then that actually did lessons very similar to Archie's, and that actually played a, a big part into wanting to put Archie's back into Richardson Heights. You know, of course, that comes into uh, effect later uh, when, when everything gets built out here in the last five years. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Grew up here and, and still live here. Live in Richardson Heights. We brought our kids up over here. Lived here since 2003. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And when did you pick up your first guitars? Oh, gosh, fifth grade for me. Um, you know, like I said, started taking lessons in fourth or fifth grade right over there at, at, and still have the first Mel Bay that, that I was given back then for, for Christmas, still have it. And uh, when'd you start, Blake? Uh, my mom ended up going to Mexico and buying this little guitar, and she had taken, well, somehow I got, I got swapped out. She decided she wanted to take guitar and traded me out a ukulele for it. I, I remember feeling very uh, slighted in the deal. It had less strings, and it was much smaller. She ended up taking lessons right over here on Beltline on the other side of the freeway. I forget what the music store was over there. Um, but I actually probably had my first guitar at five or six, somewhere in there, but I started actually out on piano. There was a student at the school, Mark Johnson, who was the same age as I was, and his mother was a piano teacher. He ended up becoming a concert pianist. But unfortunately, she was like way overprotective. He could never like come over and spend the night. She was afraid something would happen to his fingers. <laughs> he ended up a total social misfit. 
And sadly, you know, got off into drugs and, you know, never really quite recovered from any of that stuff. And just a career went down the toilet. But it inspired me. He did a concert like in first grade. And I'm like, wow, look at the power of, you know, what playing an instrument is. It just the impact that it had. So, you know, I told parents, I, I want to learn to play piano. Uh, so that was my first instrument. I didn't pick up guitar until age 12. And then did you start an acoustic guitar or electric guitar? I advise people to actually start off on electric. I did start off on acoustic, um, only because, you know, I couldn't exactly buy my own instrument at that point in time. Uh, but it's just an easier instrument to get started on, to start off on electric. How is it, how is it easier? The action, the distance of the strings down to the fretboard is less. The necks tend to be a little smaller. It's a much more portable instrument. You know, you can plug it in. You can manipulate the sound. With an acoustic guitar, you're kind of stuck with a one-trick pony there. See, he and I differ a little bit on that because I, I had to start on a Mel Bay classical guitar, which has a big neck on it. Action's really high, so you don't know any difference. So it's kind of like learning a language when you're young. You know, you had to really learn how to stretch your hands, and and so that when I got my first electric guitar, it was like this is easy. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was a big difference. You know, and you so you went to Hollywood to the Guitar Institute of Technology. What tell me about that? That actually started um, when I was 15 years old. I had read, and there was an industry publication still around called Guitar Player Magazine. And I was looking through ads in there, and there was a gentleman named Howard Roberts who, um, actually, there's a movie called The Wrecking Crew that's out now. It talks about the whole uh, Los Angeles recording scene and how, you know, Sonny and Cher, got who all is in that. Oh, um, gosh, yeah. It's, everybody, it's the monkeys, the, yeah, I mean, the Beach Boys, actually. I mean, all these guys recorded all of these songs for all these people. Um, he was a real top-notch studio guy, but also a real uh, renowned jazz guitar player and educator. And he would go around the country and do these seminars that were weekend seminars. I'm a 15-year-old kid, and I called up and said, how do we get one of these things in Dallas? They said, well, you put one on. I'm like, okay, you know, what do I know? Um, they had no idea they were dealing with a 15-year-old kid on the other end of things. I uh, would take my parents' station wagon. I didn't even have my license yet. And went around and put up posters, drove up to Denton, drove out to North Texas, put posters up everywhere. Turns out I put on, or uh, well, there was actually other criteria with that. You had to book Howard a club gig. You had to book the rhythm section. You also had to find a venue for this seminar to take place. And you had to have X amount of people for them to even sponsor the thing. So I did all of that. And again, they have no idea they're dealing with a 15-year-old on all of this. I... Again, stole the parent station wagon and went and picked Howard up from the airport for this. And he walks off the plane, sees this little long-haired guitar punk, 15 years old, and just starts laughing immediately. Took me under his wing pretty much uh, right at that point, and we stayed in contact. And I decided then to graduate early from high school and move out to California and study with him. Even if I got to study with him like once a month, that was going to be good. Well, it turns out in the middle of all of that, I get a call from he and his manager, Pat Hicks, said, we're starting a school out here said, perfect, good timing, sign me up. So I was literally in high school. I went to Lake Highlands High School. Um, in high school on Monday and Los Angeles on Friday, living in Hollyweird, right on Sunset Strip. And as it turns out, this was, I mean, this was the first class ever of this. It's still in full swing. It's Musicians Institute now. Uh, we just had, there was a one and only reunion back in 2012. And... They did a big retrospective, all kinds of pictures, all kinds of famous people have gone through I was going to say some big guys went yeah, through there, right? Yeah, Especially huge. at the time you were in there. Yeah, and beyond. I mean, still. Um, 
and they ended up using in this retrospective, they used my diploma as, as part of it. I was very touched by that. But anyway, so I was 17 years old, moved out there, didn't know a soul. I was on a quest. And how long were you in California? I ended up, this, at that time, the curriculum was only a year long. But I ended up staying on afterwards to teach. And then moved back here. I thought, well, okay, it, what's better to be a little fish in a big pond or a big fish in a little pond? And Dallas looked like it had a real scene kind of coming up at the time. But it's kind of crested and fallen and crested and fallen over the years. But uh, it was still a great decision, you know, move back here. And so what is it about the guitar that attracts you? What is it about this, this magical instrument that you love? Well, they're cool. I mean, all you got to do is look. I mean, look at this. Who, does, who doesn't like this? Look at this. Play guitar. <laughs> no, I mean, it was just, it, it was intuitive. I mean, it, was, it wasn't really a conscious decision. I mean, I remember hearing Whole Lot of Love for the first time when I was probably in fourth grade. And, it, you know, I thought, okay, I, what is that? I want that. And, um, you know, unlike Blake, I, you know, I didn't, I, I'm not a performer or a professional player. You know, it, it was... I, I was kind of the nerd guy that wouldn't own a shop, you know, that's why this has been great, you know, and that's, um, but yeah, it's, it's the, the guitar, it, it cuts through all kinds of music, right? So no matter how much music changes from 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, there's always a guitar bass or a guitar function in it, you know, um, that's it for me. I, you used a term in, in your email that you called it a musical polyglot. It's a musical polyglot, yeah. It just slices across every kind of a genre. I mean, polyglot is somebody who speaks multiple languages. And it, just like Jason just kind of alluded to right there, you know, there's not a genre that doesn't really have guitar in it somewhere, somehow. Um, you know, even orchestral music has concertos for guitar, etc. Um, yeah, no, it's just fantastic because it reaches everybody. In some form or another, I think. And just like Jason said, it's cool, you know? <laughs> who were your musical idols when you when you were growing up? Who did you aspire to be? Oh, wow. I mean, you know, like I told you in the email, I, I can, I, my memories, I, I don't have a math brain. I have a musical brain. So everything to me, I can think fifth grade, okay, Rush Hemispheres, okay. You know, everything was classified in terms of what I was listening to at that time in life. Um, but the ones that really stand through, I mean, David Bowie was, was definitely, um, cause he, you know, he was one of those guys that it, used guitars in different ways, not him personally so much, but his music. Um, but it's the classics. I mean, you know, uh, the Rolling Stones, I mean, it's an easy answer. Even if you do that on your shorty, Beatles or Stones, I already saw that. You know which one I'm going to take. Um, uh, those are the two big ones. I mean, there, there's many, it just depends on when you ask me. I mean, really it, it, it you know, one month I'm listening to Prague, one month it's country, you know, so. But those are the most endearing, because they were kid things, you know. I mean, I was really into that at that time. Can I'd be like, interested to know what yours are. I mean, what, God, there are too many. How many stars are there in the Well, you, you can only pick two. Firmament. Yeah, I pick two. Well, I had mentioned, you know, in my email to you, you know, I guess the two big influences for me, so I guess we're going to have to arm wrestle on this one, Jason. Um, I was a Beatles guy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, and how many careers were launched because of the Beatles? Yeah. <laughs> now this gone from arm wrestling to an all-out brawl here now. <laughs> um, and then Led Zeppelin as well. I mean, just, you know, again, just the bombast, just the hugeness of their sound. And again, just to wield that kind of power and emotion. You know, it's like, I want a bite of that. Absolutely.
So, um, Jason, you just alluded to your life can be sectioned and categorized by whatever music I was listening to at that time. So, what was your, ch how was your childhood playlist different than your adolescent playlist versus your young adult playlist? You know, unfortunately, it's not much different. I, and, and actually, I'm not in costume tonight. Somebody actually said, oh, I get it. Yeah, Wayne. Yeah, Wayne. No, I, this is how I dress, unfortunately. I, Sadly, this, that makes me Garth. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to drag him into that. but I, And when he said that, I looked at the poster and even the ripped jeans, I almost was embarrassed. I'm like, oh, my God. I <laughs> no, but I mean, the, it, so I'm always, I don't know. I mean, I think most people tend to like what they liked when you know, they were younger. Um, and for us, if you grew up in the 70s, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, that's still what's, that's kind of still the big guys, you know? I mean, there's been all kind of, you know, music changes every two weeks now, but it's still, I know, what do they call it, old cella, uh, you know, out there, that's still, the, those are still the biggest acts going. Um, so for me, um, I could, Really, I mean, I can break it down because there's always something that I'm, you know, I was late on the whole prog rock thing. I just got into Yes, you know, five years ago. So I'm always looking Kicking to... Kicking and screaming. Yeah, but, but yeah, but it worked, you know. So I'm always open to whatever it is. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be rock and roll. I mean, um, but so I'm always chasing what some sort of a sound or something to, you know, keep me going or educate me musically. And that ends up defining because I'll get into it for six months and, you know, trying to figure it out, that kind of thing, you know. So, um, but that's different now. There's there's a big demarcation between young and old. When you're young, it's just natural. You just follow whatever that sound is that you want or that you like. And now you kind of have to look for it and make, you know, there's effort involved now. Yeah, to me, it was always, I was always very eclectic. Um, I guess, you know, born with a musician's soul. You know, I was always on the lookout for new and interesting things. I mean, even as a kid, I would go down to the library and pick up music scores of Bartok and Stravinsky and sit in my chair, you know, in junior high and high school and read along, you know, with the scores that were going on. So just always just looking for, just trying to whet that appetite and satisfy it. And even in our playlist over across the street here on Sonos, you know, we seed it with different artists, and we've had many discussions about how that algorithm works. We're not entirely happy with it, but, uh, you know, all the stuff that we've put in here, we have just a wide range of things from uh, interesting acoustic instrumental guitarist to flamenco, classical, as he's, you know, mentioned a lot of, you know, prog rock, classic rock, just everything. And again, just underlining uh, or underscoring what we were saying about the guitar being just present in all kinds of forms of music. I never could ever say, you know, who my favorite band was, who my favorite artist was. There's just too many. And it's just all good music. And that's one of the coolest things about guitar, but music in general, is, you know, that you could be a Tibetan monk on the highest peak in the Himalayan, and you've got your favorite song. You know, music is just a universal. What, was, what did your parents listen to? What was the music of your household growing up? Uh, mine was easy. Yeah, you know, my dad was. Um, you know, my mom's here tonight, and it, she was. My dad was, uh, you know, Texan, so it was Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys, and um, you know, he was middle aged in the '70s, so there was definitely some Barbara Streisand happening on road trips, and you know, unfortunately, I'm just kidding. It was good. Um, 
And, uh, you know, that's kind of, they. but I wouldn't say that they were naturally, you know, necessarily musical, you know, it was just kind of radio kind of at that time, but they had, you know, they had their styles. So, but I, there was always music around. It wasn't just them. It was neighbors, um, you know, it was always on in, in the house, uh, you know, so it, disco, all everything. Disco. Disco indeed, yeah. Mom, you got the mirror ball going? <laughs> Greece. I had a I had a Greece birthday party. I mean, come on. I mean that was disco. Oh man, you just said that in public, dude. <laughs> so do you have <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. I still like it. Still so do like you have a nostalgia for disco? Absolutely, I do. I mean, yeah, there's I mean some of it. I mean, you know, really. I mean some of it's ridiculous. There's some good stuff. Uh, I mean, for me, it was the breaking of the seventh seal. It was the, the apocalypse is upon us. I remember coming back to Texas and some friends took me to a club and you know, there's music going on. I looked around, there's no band, you know, they're playing a record. <laughs> even crazy. even the Rolling Stones did disco. Yes, and, yeah, well, a buck to be made. This is off, Great uh, off the questions. I recently saw the uh, Adam Lambert and Queen concert, and that was some amazing guitar and drum playing and some great singing, too. Um, Absolutely. But it's amazing how classic their playing has become, and even those songs have now come back. Well, that's just a social phenomenon. I mean, too, you know, all along the way from the Beatles forward. I mean, once the Beatles kind of brought this, uh, you know, once you started to have arena-level touring, stadium-level touring and stuff, the Beatles were as much a musical influence as they were a social influence. And I think, you know, from that point on, it really just, it brought it to a level, the merchandising, everything, their, their whole mechanism back then just had such an impact. And so you find that, you know, people really gravitate, the whole record industry, obviously, then, you know, spun around that kind of hub. So by the time, you know, Queen, as you mentioned, you know, bands like that come around, it just, the industry was slightly different. That's another thing I would say about the disco thing is you had people who were not touring musicians. These were people who were just commercially oriented. You know, they would go in the studio, record something, never toured. And, you know, it was just a product. And that's also when you started having lawyers involved. You know, basically you would present your demo tape to a lawyer instead of somebody who was actually in the business, somebody who actually had an ear for music. Um, so there's kind of a line of demarcation in that. So anything pre-disco, of course, which Queen was, really kind of cemented in the psyche, in the uh, social consciousness of the time, I think. So speaking of products, how was it that Archie's Guitars was founded? How did you get together? How did you meet? How did you think um, up this idea? Archie's really started from a... You know, like you alluded to earlier, I was I worked for AT and T and different IT um, kind of corporate things for a while. But I always had friends that were involved in the music scene or music distribution. In fact, some of them, you know, my daughter just graduated from Richland High School last year, and she's at UC Boulder now. But for years, I was on the you know the side of the soccer fields, talking with a Yamaha rep and a Fender rep, and always asking why are there no cool shops in Dallas anymore? There there is no cool music shops, you know. Everything, Guitar Center was cool when it came in, and it you know it is what Disagree. it is now. Well, for you know a couple of years, whatever. But it, there's nothing now. You know, I grew up around here, like you like you said earlier. Uh, Bill's Records and Tapes. If you grew up around here, you you probably went to Bill's. Um, you know Arnold Morgan. You know he worked there. Zoo Music. 
uh, endless. I mean, I was a Prestonwood Melody Shop kid, you know, and Prestonwood doesn't even exist anymore. The fact the mall's not there freaks me out. Um, so I always ask these guys because they travel all around the country and they, they open all these. And I travel too, and there's great shops everywhere, but not here. And uh, why not? I, I would ask, well, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Nobody's really ever opened one. Well, why don't you guys open one? I'll, uh, my dog, by the way, I know you're going to go for this question, but Archie is my dog, or was my dog. Archie's left the planet, but he was great. That's how old this goes. Uh, we talked about Archie's in backyards for, you know, 10 years, kind of, you know, kind of half serious, but not really. Then I started to get real serious about it. And um, and it's it's really strange to be here at the Alamo, because when the Alamo came in, I remember the first night that they played a movie out in the parking lot, I said, Okay, I'm I'm leaving my job. This is happening. I'm putting Archie's into operation. Go, because I knew that you couldn't. Uh, a place like Archie's would never survive out on an island, you know, by itself. It had to be in the right. There had to be something big like this, and um, everybody around here sort of merits that. Haystack, um, you know, half price books, uh, you know, taco joint. Texadelphia next door. I mean, everybody's come in with that same kind of vibe. And it, it, you just, uh, you know, a guitar store can't just live out by itself. So it was kind of a mix of all those things. You know, it was an idea. And then it was really the boom that happened in Richardson. And, and I think Alma was the massive part of it. You know, now we're buffered by the city. What is it? City Line Project out on Bush. Um, you know, all these new families. You know, I live in Richardson Heights. And we moved there in 2003. Everything that happened when the Alamo came in and the City Line project with the State Farm and Toyota move, the whole neighborhoods have turned over with families and, and lots of people that are open to kind of what the vibe is and, you know, that kind of thing. It just was the combination of all those things at one time. And how did Blake come into the equation? Well, Blake actually, uh, when Blake is a friend of a friend and... Of course, like you, like you said earlier, Blake has always made a living in, in that environment. And I was introduced to him through another friend of mine. Uh, who was the Fender rep. Too. Who is the Fender, and yeah, still is. And, uh, and uh, knew that Blake could bring in, uh, you know, the perspective from basically the street, from the guitar side, you know, the technical side. And also the business side, you know, the back end. Blake's done a lot of things entrepreneurial on his own. And, and that, you know, I hadn't been in that environment. So it was. Uh, it I'll was throw a in a couple of things here. One was the other day I uh, got a lot of plate glass in my house and was doing uh, all kinds of window scrubbing. I had a big party to throw this last weekend. And, of course, we all know newsprint works much better than cloth. So I'm going through all these stored newspapers that I had, and I came across I think it was like a weekend guide or something something to that effect. I forget, you know, an insert into the, the Dallas paper. And it was the special on Alamo coming to the center here. It was uh, 2013, I want to say. It was like an August issue, 2013. I pulled it aside to give to Jason, yeah. you know, because so, it just yeah. showed, showed the Alamo sign on a truck ready to be, you know, hoisted up and placed. And it really was a transition for this whole center. I mean, this had really gone into a... And the city. Yeah, yeah, truly, truly, exactly. Um, so that was just kind of a quick little aside going, wow, that's kind of interesting. You know, there's where it all started, you know, these, you know, six years or whatever, three years ago, I guess, with that. Yeah. Um, our friend who is, uh, he's now, um, 
national said, national, national sales, sales manager yeah, for, of, of North America, which includes you know U.S. Canada. and Canada. Yeah, um, we'd been friends since 1980, and good friends. We used to travel together, you know, a bunch back then. Um, and you know, he had told me that he had a good friend, and I, I'd met Jason once before at a concert uh, with our friend. Um, we just bumped into each other, and. Um, you know, I had I've been in every facet of this industry. You know, I've owned a nightclub, and um, just anyway, the business acumen. I also have a, a online businesses that are music based. He just thought it'd be you know a good meeting, and so you know we met one night. He said, you know, uh, Jason was kind of showing his concepts, and you know showed me some of what he was thinking about doing. Just wanted my kind of input on it. And it's like you know I like what you're doing, and just things just kind of grew together. You know, we definitely have a a great chemistry between us, you know, it really just enjoy each other as well. And it was, uh, it was just a good match. It's like, yeah, let's, let's do this thing. We are Wayne and Garth. Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> God, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> so you were talking, you were talking about the vibe, not only of, of, of this area and this center, and you both have, you both mentioned in your, um, Emails talking about the vibe of the store, and you, you, you both, in one way or another, referred to yourselves as shop owners, not a guy who sells guitars. Absolutely. So, what is it about the vibe of the shop and that that small place? Oh, man. You know what? And if I can jump in, I mean, yeah. you know, the way I said, it, I don't know. Do you have a copy of the email that I'd sent? No. Okay. You know, because I had said it that you know, I mean, we're looking at actually really interfacing with the customer as a person, as a musician, as a customer, said not as a wallet, like you're finding with the corporate stores. You know, we're actually, it's a one-on-one -on -one kind of a thing. And the ability to put music into people's lives, and especially to help them create music, is a tremendous privilege. You know, yeah, le tremendous lessons were number one. We, we needed to bring lessons in. And our tech here, John, John Deere, is a respected tech in the area. And it's a big deal to have be a full service shop, you know, so that it's small crew. So it's the same guys that you're always going to see. And it's your shop, you know, when you need a guitar fix, you know, you can talk to John, you know, when you know, you need the latest product, or if you need something ordered, you know, Jason or Blake is going to help you. Um, we may hire somebody eventually, maybe not. And <laughs> maybe we'll just keep it the three of us. But I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, that that the shop is that that word is very important. You know, because it, you don't really have shops anymore. You know, it's just Best Buy, Target, whatever, you know. Or even now, Amazon, you just click Or Amazon, it yeah, absolutely. Comes in a day. Same well, thing with of course, you know, we're going to have a presence in that as well. You know, online is where it's at these days. There's no denying it. And I've run a successful company since 2005 online. And, you know, that's going to be a big proponent of what we're doing as well. But that's at arm's length. You know, again, really talking about the vibe again, it's getting people in the store and just interacting. And there's just a symbiosis that, you know, happens with the community and a shop like this. I mean, we've heard so much feedback already from people who are just tired of the big box store kind of a concept. And they want that connection again. They want that mom and pop go in kind of a feel, you know, like the old hardware, the neighborhood hardware mm -hmm. store. You know, that's that's gone these days. And it's but just th that does tie in, again, to Richardson Heights. You can go to McDonald's or you can go to Haystack. You know, I mean, it's the kind of, it's exactly the same thing. So what's the, uh, what's the, what's, what's the one thing that makes you go, wow, I, I can't wait to go to work tomorrow? Oh, God, there's, there's a ton. I mean, this isn't even work. I mean, I, you know, 
I've sat in cubicles, I've sat in data centers, I've done all that. This is awesome. I mean, this is a blast. It's fun. This is every day. You know, you're. It's about music and people. It's re that's really what it comes down to. Well, and there's the old cliche too of you know, you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance, obviously, I'm sure you spend lots of extra hours at the shop. How do you balance, I don't want to say Sleep. work, I don't want to say work in life because you're talking about making a life, not just making a living, but how do you balance in the shop time and out of the shop time? Or is there a such a thing? <laughs> There's not right now. I mean, right now it's just all hands on deck, full on board, the, you know, Archie's. You know, but I mean, we're, we're we just started our fourth week, so um, you know, and I always use the metaphor of the plane, you know, getting lifted off the runway. You know that that's that takes it doesn't take a month; it takes longer than that. Really, I believe it takes a year to really soak into the community, and you know, you just you got to work. You just got to work. It's twenty four seven, really. Are your families involved with the absolutely? Running? They're here, you know, except for my daughter who's in Boulder, but um, they know it and they're here and they help and you know it's it's a family business, you know. But Blake's like family. I mean, the whole thing is run like that. That's the whole you know idea is all hands on deck and you bring in a few people, but quality people. You know, every like I told John, everybody has to be a ninja. You have to be able to do many multiple things in be able to react, at, you know, John's a tech, but he can sell, he can, you know, he can do anything. So, you know, Blake can do anything. Still trying to get him into the black costume, though. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the, oh, my word, what have we gotten ourselves into moments? Every day. <laughs> uh, that's uh, when my eyes open every morning. What happened? What was I doing? What was I thinking? Now, and then, it, you know, and then, you know, a shot, and I'm focused. No, I'm kidding. No, it, it, it. Of course, there's always the initial. I'm 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 being very honest. When I open the unlock the door every day, it's it's a blast. The first thing I do is turn on the music. I mean, look, there's guitars everywhere. It's like, ah, oh, this is great. And then people start streaming in, and you know, the day just takes over. So, um, well, we're in a in a business too that involves passion. I mean, you know, people come in. They're not just looking for you know a spatula, something like that. I mean, they're looking for they're looking for something that really adds an additional meaning to their lives. You know, that's a value add. So, uh, what do you expect, or what do you, what has been the experience of, of sort of the ratio between diehard guitar folks and beginners? It's been it, it, better than I hope because again, that everything harkens back to the location. So. Like I mentioned earlier, all these new families that are coming in in the lesson program, bringing in kids like when I was a kid, that's what I wanted to engage in was to get 9, 10, 11-year-old kids and, and watch their eyes when they walk in. Oh, my gosh. And there's been a ton of that. You know, I mean, you know, that, and, there, and I, there's been way more musicians than I expected just right in the neighborhood. And all that really has been done without any real promotion. It's been done through soft opening drive up and word of mouth. You know, we really haven't even turned on the big horn of, you know, media. So then that's uh, been way better than I expected. You know, I'm, uh, that, that's what I hope. You know, you, you could look around the neighborhood and see everybody, but there is a big interest to come in and take lessons and, and um, you know, work with some of the local schools like Alchemy School of Music. We've worked with them and they're great. They, 
they're like our Richardson version of School of Rock. They teach the kids how to perform. We we did a thing last Saturday where we had three with or four ricochet. with Ricochet through air. Thank you. And we had uh, the the kids were so uh, trained. They had thirty minute set lists. They you know knew what they were doing. They were great. You know that's all Richardson based. So to bring all that 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 kind of again, it's just another thing that's happening now. All none of this would have happened ten years ago. It just was not. It didn't exist. Who teaches the lessons? We haven't really put a program together yet. You know, I may start it off. I've taught over a hundred thousand private lessons. I've <laughs> uh, written some twenty something books, um, but that's next on the agenda because you know we've been taking. Is again, this has been kind of the soft opening. This has been trying to get the mechanics worked out the point-of-sale system, all of those kind of things, just before we really turn the thing up. And so that is coming next, though. And so you're just in the in the baby stages now. What are your plans for the future? Where do you see it? World domination. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to be here in five years. I mean, I, I mean that's, that's To it. be thriving in five years. That's it. Pay some bills and, and pay some bills and be there in five years, really. So we have some time for some questions from the audience. Uh, In the back. Oh God! There again. There's you know how many stars are there in the firmament? It's just you know whatever I heard last. Um, too many to. I mean, just I've been. Maybe I'm kind of a sensitive to this sort of a thing. But for me, I hear music different. Um, I mean, this is my profession. This is my craft. My passion. So I mean, stuff comes across my grid, and I I listen to it in a different way. I've. Uh, I've written like a, you know, a, a software program, a songwriting course, and I teach people you know, how to listen for different things and take it in in ways that are different than like a consumer kind of a level. Uh, what will they play at your funeral? Mm, funeral songs. Uh, I've, I, there's, this is a long conversation. You know, play whatever the hell you want. I'm not going to be there to hear it. <laughs> Yes, young Stella. What's your favorite? The question was, what's your favorite guitar? Well, that's a good one. I, honestly, I, I mentioned it earlier. I still have my first Mel Bay acoustic guitar that my parents got me for lessons. I, and I, it's sitting right by my chair in the living room still. I just got it cleaned up and stringed up, and it sounds incredible. It's in, and this was like an $80 guitar at the time. I mean, it's wonderful. That's definitely my favorite. I got a story to tell along those lines. I mentioned the, the guitar that my mom bought in Mexico. That I ended up getting it back. I traded her back the ukulele eventually, and that was the first guitar that I started learning on. And I ended up like I was in junior high and was skating and turned around to skate backwards and hit a piece of gum and fell and broke my left arm, the keystone bone. But that wasn't going to stop me from playing guitar. I mean, after like a week or so, I kind of hammered out the plaster in there, made it real soft. And I thought, well, this guitar isn't all that valuable. So played guitar, scraped the back of the neck just completely off, and still you know, had this guitar for a long time. And then my grandmother, who was in her 90s, had gone into a home, and they were looking for you know, activities and stuff like that. So I'd loaned her this guitar. Come to find out, in fact, I just asked my mother this the other day. I said, 
I, that guitar just disappeared. What happened? Come to find out, I guess one or the other of my aunts put it up on a garage sale. I mean, I would love to have that first guitar back. There's just something endearing about kind of like you're talking about that first instrument. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just put so much emotion into the into the wood on that thing. It just soaked it in. It just meant so much to have that guitar. Questions? Any more? In the back. What's your favorite guitar in the store now? Wow, that's another good one because I love there. To me, the the guitars in the store, it's like I run a um, a rescue dog society. I, they all have their own personality, and I I literally talk to them every day when I come in, see how they're doing, and it makes me sad when they leave, but I'm really happy. I you want know what? Them to leave. Let's let's go with this one for the moment because yeah. this is one. This Goldie. was actually one of the first guitars that we purchased before there was a store, before we even had a lease. For the store, and we were at the guitar show. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were at the guitar show back in April, and looking for instruments to purchase that would be, you know, for resale. But this particular girl, and she's just, and just that glitter finish, you know. It uh, that one just spoke to us, and I, I'd known the brand before. Does it come with shoes that match? Okay, well, that's an interesting one, too. Um, as far as favorite instruments there, I mean, I've brought a lot of my own personal collection up there. Some I'll probably let go of. A lot I haven't, which has been kind of a conflict because uh, they've really drawn a lot of attention from a lot of folks. Um, but we've got everything. We've got ukuleles, which have really, really, really gained in popularity. And we've got from just very affordable. I brought one of my Koa Wood Hawaiian ukuleles up, a kamaka. I've also got another one up there called a northern that is an interesting story behind this. There was a fellow who back, I don't remember if it was early 70s or what, wanted to introduce ukuleles into the public school systems in Canada. And on the headstock on it, you know, it's a maple leaf. It's an odd triangular shape. It looked like something, you know, Leonard Nimoy would have played on, on Star Trek. Um, Interesting thing, but he, you know, there were apparently several hundred of these things made. Just an odd duck. Um, I brought up, you know, an Indian sarod. We've just got this wide range of instruments up there because we kind of communicate that there's there's just a little more depth to this store than just meets the eye. We don't have a lot of square footage over there, but we're maximizing it. And and on the new side, the new lines that we brought in, you know, the whole model was based on beginner, intermediate players right, and prices. Right. So, you know, we've got Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel, EVH, Yamaha, Luna, Ibanez. Ibanez, and they're all priced, you know, basically everything is generally under 1,000, closer to 500, give or take a couple hundred, depending on what you want to do with it. So, you know, we don't necessarily carry the $2,000 Pro models or USA Customs, but we can get them. If you want them, we can order them. But, yeah, the idea was to stock it with stuff that people can actually walk in and afford and play in quality instruments. I was going to mention that earlier as well because, I mean, that kind of goes back to the whole vision of serving the community, you know, getting people started in music, make it accessible. But at the same time, you know, again, showing that we've got a range for the professional musician all the way down to somebody who just thinks they might be interested in learning music. Final questions. 
favorite guitarist living and favorite guitarist not living? Uh, that's easy. Favorite guitarist that has passed, Randy Rhodes, a child of the 80s, 70s, so Ozzy Osbourne's a guy. And uh, favorite guitarist living, that one's a little tougher. I would probably say, um, oh my gosh, there's so many. I, Steve, Steve Howe, yeah, I, Jeff, Jeff Beck, thank you, sir. I was going to say Jeff Beck, and in fact, you know, when we met, it was actually at the first, the very first time we met yeah. with our friend was at a Jeff Beck concert. Yeah, no so. doubt. Steve, definitely Jeff Beck. And it was a big impact on me, too. I, I remember going to see one of his tours as a kid, and I carried a little notepad with me. I was going to take notes and steal all his secrets, and I walked away with an empty notepad. Honorable, <laughs> mention, guy was just... honorable mention, Malcolm Young. No, thank you. No, I no, I love him really, but I, knew, I just heard I knew, it so much. In fact, we laugh about that because it comes on so much in the shops. So. Well, that was kind of the illusion I was making earlier. She, she about mentioned the, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, uh, I mentioned yeah. that earlier about Sono seeding things, and every time we mention him, they'll play it, and it's just, it's crazy. We think there's a microphone planted somewhere in there. Um, Stevie was a friend of mine. I knew him back when. I've got a couple of signs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a local boy. He was an uh, Oak Cliff guy, so I knew him knew him back when. Um, God, there's just there's just so many, so many great guitarists. And the thing, the thing about talk about that eclecticism again, about just you know trying to bring all of this into my life. There's just so many guitarists that you've never heard of that are fabulous musicians, incredible musicians that just never quite gained the popularity. And it's just kind of hard to pick a favorite like that because there's just so many good ones out there. You know, well that's another one on the list too. He shows up every day, five times a day. <laughs> She mentioned Buckethead. <laughs> All right, we're about out of time, so it is the uh, time in every interview where I take uh, 10 questions, top 10 short questions, and uh, so some of them are either ors and some of them are just quick answers. So since we have two, we'll start with Jason and then go to you. All right? Question number one, pizza or hamburgers? Pizza. Pizza. Question number two, chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Swirl. Ooh. Number three, your favorite alcoholic drink? Cold gold, beer. Rum. Number four, your favorite non-alcoholic drink? Unsweetened iced tea. Water. Number five, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Stones. Beatles, let's have it out. Number <laughs> six, B.B. King or Chuck Berry? Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. Number seven, Jimi Hendrix or Keith Richards? Keith Richards. Jimi Hendrix. Mm. Number eight, the newest album or artist that you downloaded? Oh, you're going to stump us on that one. Uh, yeah, God, new. Yeah, that's just a whole new world here. We're, you're, you're in a universe we don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, and what's cool about the Sonos system we have over there, too, is we're constantly exposed. I'm hearing all kinds of new things, artists that I've not heard of before. Animals as leaders. I'll give you that one. Yeah, that, that's definitely new for me. And mine would be leading the animals. <laughs> all right. Number nine, Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead? Ah, Game of Thrones. Game of Big Thrones. Big fan. And number ten, other than the debate, what is the next television show you're likely to watch? Sunday morning. Survivor. I'm sorry. I'm I'm into it. Yeah. I cut the Survivor Amazing Race question, so uh, okay. 
There we are. All right. Let's give it up for uh, Jason and Blake of Archie's Guitars. And we'll pass it over to our fearless leader, Miss Kitty. Um, I'm Kitty Goddard, president of AIR, Arts Incubator of Richardson. And I just want to thank all of you for being here for, uh, as David mentioned earlier, our second evening of airtime for season seven. And I want to thank our partners, Alamo Draft House. Actually, I want to thank very quickly the fact that we did host a major citywide arts and creativity event on October the 8th called Ricochet 16. And a whole lot of our partners for that event are in this room tonight. So thank you to Archie's Guitars, to Alamo, to Alchemy with Crystal, and to many others for making that a successful day. I hope that we helped bring people through your front door. Anyway, I wanted to share with you that our next airtime is on November the 16th, where we will host guest artist Brad Oldham, who is an international sculptor based here in Dallas, and his wife, Christy Coltrane, who is also an artist and sculptor. And if you are not familiar with his work, you may be and not know it. He did uh, the traveling man sculptures that are in Deep Ellum along the dart route. And he also did um, a sculpture called Bird, which happens to be in front of the Richardson Civic Center right now. And we'll be there for about another three days. So anyway, we look forward to seeing you in November. And thanks to Alamo. And enjoy Wayne's World. 